Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor. We got Krishna producing today, and it is time for the State of the Wizards. We're talking to Chase Hughes. He covers the Wizards as well as the NBA for NBC Sports Washington. Chase, how you doing and how you feeling about the State of the Wizards? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, as far as the State of the Wizards... Um, I think it's going to be an interesting year because uh, Bradley Beal and, and Chris Tapps Porzingis haven't played together yet. We've seen it briefly in the preseason. So anytime Chris Tapps Porzingis is involved, it's at least going to be interesting to watch. However well this season goes, it, it's definitely going to be entertaining because um, even though we might be desensitized to it, he still is the unicorn. <laughs> Um, so I, I actually had some difficulty researching for this episode because, you know, there's obvious teams like I, we, we did the Rockets maybe a week or two ago and it's like, okay, it, we know what they're doing or, you know, the Thunder and then there's teams like the Bucks where it's like, all right, they're obviously going for a championship. Um, I, I have been trying to figure out the direction of this team. I feel like for a couple years, what would you say is like their, their primary objective going forward? I think in the short term, they're trying to make the playoffs and then build from there. Uh, they have committed to sort of charging forward rather than slamming on the brakes and going through a, a serious rebuild. They've been um, pretty public in saying that they don't want to tank. Uh, their owner, Ted Leonsis, um, a couple years ago when the team was in London playing the Knicks, uh, said that we will never, ever tank. Uh, and that has, I think, been in the back of everyone's minds watching this team over the last few years. They committed to Bradley Beal. They just signed him to a Supermax contract. And they've tried to build a roster around him that complements his skill set and maybe fills in the gaps uh, in his game. So this offseason, there, there wasn't a whole lot of change that happened to their roster, um, which is very different from the last few offseasons where they've had wholesale change. And I think they saw... The Chris Dapps Porzingis trade at the deadline is basically their big offseason move. And they want to build around Bradley Beal, Chris Dapps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma and hope that their young guys take a step forward and that in their hopes make the playoffs this year and what's going to be a pretty crowded Eastern Conference. So let's start with Bradley Beal. Uh, you talked about him signing the uh, massive contract in the offseason. He has been a very good player, had a down year last year, and then uh, missed uh, like the second half of the year due to injury. Um, what would you contribute to the down year? Was that something where it was like a nagging injury that finally took him out? Or kind of kind of give me a, a brief history of his last season. Well, he only played half a season. It was the fewest games he's ever played. So there were some injuries along the way. Um, obviously, the left wrist surgery that ended his season, that was a big one. But he also had uh, two stints on the the, the COVID list. Um, he spent some time away from the team because his grandmother died. So he just had a lot going on. There was a lot of obstacles in his way that usually weren't there. But I think on the court, his shooting percentages dropped. And I, I think from a basketball sense, what really uh, held him back was it was really the first time he had played without a, a traditional point guard who could kind of set the table for everyone. They had Spencer Dinwiddie in as the point guard, and that wasn't really his role. Uh, you know, traditionally, that's not what he thrived at doing in Brooklyn. So they brought him in, and he was supposed to run the offense, and just collectively their point guard rotation did not work out. So they had some team chemistry issues that I think affected everyone, and it, there was just a lot of stuff that contributed to 
an off year for Bradley Beal and maybe enough uh, extenuating circumstances that could give the Wizards confidence that that won't happen again, that, you know, maybe he can uh, get back to being the guy who's one of the best scorers in the Eastern Conference. That's why they gave him the contract. Um, but basically, there were a lot of factors uh, that that went down in just half a season, which was which was all that he was available last year. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's good insight. That kind of makes sense. That's a lot of things to to deal with in a calendar year. Um, what what do you see uh, as maybe the relationship forming uh, on the court between Beal and Porzingis? How do you think they're going to interact? Well, I think they want to have an inside-outside combination. Um, not very similar, but not uh, completely unlike uh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic in Denver, just because Wes Unsell Jr. came over from Denver and has mentioned those guys as kind of a model to follow. Obviously, they're different players. Ironically, the one thing that Kristaps Porzingis has not done great in his career is, is pass the ball. His assist numbers stand out is pretty much the one stat that he doesn't uh, do very well in, um, you know, all th- you know, relatively speaking, obviously he's not an MVP, but he can score, he can rebound, he can block shots. Um, he can do a lot of things. Passing's never really been his game. Uh, and you're comparing him to uh, pretty clearly the best passing big man of all time, right? Nikola Jokic. I mean, <laughs> Arvita Savonis used to have that, uh, that, that distinction, but I think you'd have to give it to Jokic at this point. Um, I just saw the NBA.com uh, GM survey and GM said he was the best passer in the league and he's a, a center. So um, it's hard to compare anyone to him. So I don't know if it's going to work like that. Um, you know, maybe they can use some of what those guys were able to do in Denver and, and apply it to the wizards. But um, I think there's going to be um, a lot of pick and rolls between those guys and the wizards trying to make defenses sort of pick their poison because uh, Porzingis can step out and shoot the three and he's so tall and his release is so high that it, it's really difficult to block his shot. So that's an element that I think the wizards want to force on defenses to when you, when you're coming off that screen, you know, you, you can't just let Porzingis float because he could make you pay with an outside shot. Yeah. Porzingis was an interesting guy because uh, he struggled, didn't really fit in with Dallas. Uh, and then when he came over, I think it was, it was short. I think it was only 17 games. But he played very well. He shot the ball uh, the best of his career efficiency-wise. The points were up. I think it was like 22 points a game. Um, He's a guy that's always drawn fouls well. Like you said, he is a unicorn. The size, um, the skill that he possesses is is an interesting combination. Um, Do you – it's one of those things. It's so hard to to draw on such small sample sizes, but it's one of those things. We're an analytics podcast, so we don't talk a ton about off-the-court things, but – it did seem like that trade was both these teams have some longer contracts. Um, let's switch it up. Kind of a baseball term where it's like these guys just need to change the scenery. But in that short amount of time, he was on the Wizards. It did seem like he really was performing the, the best I'd seen him in years. Yeah, I think he likes uh, playing here and living here. It's a lot closer to home in Latvia than Dallas was. Um, I think there was a certain level of pressure, obviously, playing in New York as a, a member of the Knicks, but also a certain level of pressure uh, to be the the Robin to Luka Doncic. Uh, Luka's obviously destined to be an all-time great, and uh, Porzingis was brought in to be the the second option on a team they they hoped would go on deep playoff runs, and it just didn't work out that way, and, and naturally he took a lot of the blame. So I think coming to Washington, which is on the East Coast where he began his career, 
Um, it's uh, closer to home, like I mentioned. And also, it's it's just a lower pressure situation. The Wizards don't have the limelight that he had playing in New York or playing next to Luka Doncic. So it's, it's kind of a, a good place for a fresh start. Um, on the court, there's a good fit as well. I mean, he's probably the, the most talented big man they've had in a long time. And I've written this a few times this summer. He, he has a chance to be the best scorer that Bradley Beal has ever played with. Brad has played with some really good players, some guys who are, you know, maybe better overall players, maybe even better offensive players like John Wall and Russell Westbrook, because, um, you know, they would also average double digit assists and um, we're just in their primes better than Porzingis is now. But those guys could not score in the volume and with the relative efficiency that Porzingis can. So um, he's at a position that complements Beal very well because he's a big man. Um, you know, Beal has is, is been used to playing kind of sharing the backcourt with other stars. Um, so I think that there might be more balance to the Wizards offense than there has been in a while. Um, and it could be could be really good for Bradley Beal and really good for Chris Tapps Porzingis. And I think Kyle Kuzma could be sort of an ideal glue guy between those guys. So offensively, I, th I think it could really work. And um, I think Porzingis is looking for the most part, more than anything, uh, to prove that he can stay healthy. And that's always been a question for him. So I, I think his success uh, will uh, personally and individually will be determined by that. And he has spoken openly about that. So the uh, Wizards made a trade during the offseason. Um, and uh, how do you see uh, uh, Monty Morris and Will Barton fitting in with the Wizards? I think they're both going to start. I mean, Monte Morris at this point looks uh, pretty safe as the starting point guard. They've started him through a few preseason games. He was the starter last year in Denver. And while I like DeLon Wright a lot, um, I think Morris has a little bit more to offer in the starting role than Wright, even though DeLon Wright, because of his defense and his size, I could see finishing games. Um, Will Barton, I also think is going to start. You know, that, that spot, the starting small forward, position going into training camp was said to be wide open by head coach Wes Unsell Jr. But uh, Denny Avdia, the other likely candidate for that spot, uh, came into training camp with a groin injury. So that is it, at a minimum, it's going to keep him back uh, behind, I should say, several weeks. And Will Barton, like Monte Morris, uh, was a full-time starter in Denver for a really good team. And I know that Jokic was the straw that stirred the drink there. But if you started for a team as good as the Nuggets and there's an opening at your position in Washington, a, a, a team that wasn't as good as the Nuggets last year, then uh, I kind of like your chances. He's also got the experience, um, not only as a 10-year NBA player, but the experience and the trust of Coach Wes Unsell Jr. So um, I think Will Barton is going to start at the three and, and probably be looked at as sort of their like fourth scorer um, beyond Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma, and maybe an injury paves the way for him to be much more than that. Um, and Morris, I think they're looking to uh, just run the offense efficiently, uh, shoot a, a good percentage from three, and provide some resistance on the perimeter defensively because uh, the Wizards really struggled defensively last year, and stopping dribble penetration from the perimeter was a big reason why. I think one of the interesting things with the Wizards the last two years is how much NBA, uh, you know, just solid veteran player depth they've added via trade, right? So the Westbrook trade, you get Kuz, you get KCP, and you get Montrez Harrell. And then the next year, uh, they flip KCP and they bring in Monty Morris and Will Barton. And I feel like that's just like, that's quite a few players that they've acquired that are 
you know, none of these guys are going to be confused for superstars, but these guys are solid guys that are going to be in the league. They're all probably going to have like eight to 10 year careers. Um, and I think there is actually value in that. And that is actually one thing I'd like to see other teams do more um, instead of always rolling the dice on younger players. Um, so it's kind of interesting having uh, Bradley Beal and Porzingis as your obvious one, too, and then trying to like backfill in with with guys with the track record, you know, with some offensive ability. And uh, I don't know, it's 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 an interesting strategy that we haven't seen a lot of the last few years. So I, I am kind of curious to see how this plays out in the next, you know, one to two seasons. There are positives to the the veteran depth that they've added for sure. I think their hope is that uh, they can withstand an 82 game season, whether it be injuries or, or other uh you know, think guys, you know, trying to make it through guys having off nights or or cold stretches offensively. Um, but I would say that the success of this team is probably more so going to be determined by um, the health and the production of their top players, Brad and Chris Stapps in particular, and also whether any of their young players can take a leap because they've really invested in the draft, not necessarily with really high draft picks, but they've kept their first round picks. Um, picking guys ninth overall, 10th overall, uh, 15th overall. And it, it, the, they've made some pretty decent draft picks. Um, all those guys have continued to ascend so far in their careers, but I think it would really help raise the ceiling of the team if you know maybe Rui Hachimura or Denny Avdia uh, really leveled up this season. And there's reason to believe that they, they can and they will. Um, but given the the Wizards and, and where they stand in the Eastern Conference, I think that would be a huge X factor for them. But certainly the veteran depth will will and, and, and should help them. So if we're going to go best case scenario going into this season, uh, how do you how does that play out and how does that happen? Well, best case scenario would definitely involve Bradley Beal and, and Porzingis staying healthy uh, for the most part, at least Porzingis. You know, he's missed about a third of his team's games over the last four years. So, you know, maybe if he could play um, 65, 70 games, that would be considered a win. Bradley Beal has, for the most part in his career, been fairly durable. But the last few years, he's missed a lot of time. So if you could get him somewhere in that range, uh, that would be great. And then going back to the young players, I think one or two of them making a, a significant leap and you know, whether they're starting or not, giving you starter level production, not necessarily looking like a future all-star, but being something more than they've been. Uh, I think that would represent a best case scenario for the Wizards. And if those things occurred, um, I think they could they could be battling for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference, you know, maybe get out of the, the play-in tournament, like the ninth and 10th seeds and be in the lower playoff seeds. And if you're at that position, you know, say entering the trade deadline, then you could raise your ceiling quite a bit with another move. And they've been been—they've shown that they are willing to be pretty aggressive at the trade deadline. So I think it comes down to the health of their stars and the development of the young players. How do you see this closing lineup shaking out? That's a good question. Um, I think there's definitely going to be some games where they want to go with a bigger lineup and with more defense. So maybe that removes Morris from the point guard spot and you put DeLon Wright next to Bradley Beal. Um, DeLon Wright happened to be uh, really good in clutch situations last year. Um, he's a disruptive defender. He gets a lot of steals and he protects the ball. Uh, those are, those are traits that you want at the end of the game. Uh, he's also a, a pretty good outside shooter. And, you know, Monte Morris uh, is, 
as much as he brings to the table, uh, you know, late in the game, maybe you want to run the offense even more so through Bradley Beal and, and Porzingis and Kuzma. So some of his value could be taken off the table a little bit. Um, and then I, I would wonder at the three, you know, Will Barton is the veteran. He's the scorer. He could probably get you some buckets when you need them. But maybe in, in those scenarios, Denny Avdia, whether he starts or not, could play his way uh, into some closing minutes because he also gives you more size and he gives you defense. And if you're really going to sort of consolidate your offense around Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma, uh, when, when you really need a bucket, then you might want to go for defense on the other end with those guys. We haven't talked about Kuz yet in this uh, episode. He, so I'm a Laker fan, so I'm very familiar nice. with him. I, I've, I've always liked him. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the versatility he brings on both ends of the court? He's very versatile. Uh, I think next to Kristaps Porzingis, that might get overshadowed a little bit. But um, <laughs> even in this day and age where there's a lot of big men who can shoot and dribble, uh, Kuzma still stands out athletically when you really pay attention. His mobility at 6'10 uh, is pretty impressive. And he's he's smooth with the ball in his hands. And I don't think he's reached his peak yet. I think we saw last year, you know, particularly in the second half of the season when he was elevated into a primary scoring role, how he can take to that and he can score and he can shoot a, a fairly decent percentage. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what his role will be this year because last year when he struggled, he kind of got lost in the sauce next to Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie and sort of outwardly com complained a little bit or at least alluded to the fact that he had been relegated to just being a spot-up shooter. I think he's better when the ball is in his hands at least a little bit because he's a creative passer and he – He's just he's just got a good feel for the game, and he's a smart player. Um, shooting percentages will will be key for him. Uh, you know, if he's shooting a below average percentage from three, that's that's not ideal. Um, but um, he, he's he, I think in in the right situation, he could be close to a twenty point score. Um, I don't think he's going to score that many points here, but if he can be the third scoring option and you know give the Wizards sixteen seventeen points a game. Uh, rebound well, defend well, and shoot a pretty decent percentage. Um, I think he'll help them win games, and also he'll set himself up really well for next summer when he can opt out of his contract and, and get a new deal. Yeah, Kuz is a he's a fun guy. He's an interesting guy because, uh, the, like you said, at, at the size he has, he is a, a pretty smooth operator and uh, does have quite a bit of skill and can I feel like for a quarter really get hot and like become an unconscious shooter. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Porzingis too, you know, that, that's what really stood out to me down the stretch, uh, last year when Beal was out of the picture and, and those guys were playing together, they didn't play together, uh, very often. I think it was six games cause, um, you know, they had some injuries late in the season, but their two man game is a four and a five Kuzma and Porzingis has a lot of potential cause they're pretty creative passers, particularly Kuzma and they can both shoot. They both like to shoot. And in volume from three, it's pretty actually unique, the two of them, uh, just in terms of attempts and makes. Uh, you know, it's it, there's not very many big men combinations around the league that attempt as many threes as they do collectively. Now, they need to hit a high percentage of them, of course. But, um, but between the three top players in the Wizards offense, you have Bradley Beal, who two years ago um, led the Eastern Conference in scoring, almost won the scoring title. Uh, Porzingis um, is uniquely versatile. He gives you 20 points a game. And we saw last year against the Lakers, I think he had 
like 15 points in the fourth quarter and, and really took over the game. So he can get hot and take over extended stretches. And then Kuzma, um, however many points he scores per game this year, he, he showed a tendency last year to be really good in the clutch. He, he made a lot of big baskets for them. He had a game winner against Detroit. He uh, beat the Cavaliers almost single-handedly with a bunch of threes late in the fourth quarter. His percentages go up in the clutch. So um, if they need a big basket, you know, you can always turn to him. And if you have three guys who give you that, level of versatility offensively, um, then you have a chance to have a good offense. Defense is going to be the question for them, and so is three-point shooting. But in terms of scoring a lot of points with those three guys, if they're healthy, I think the Wizards should be just fine. Yeah, two stats that pop out uh, looking at Kuz's profile over at Basketball Index is his passing creation quality is 99th percentile. So the volume isn't always there, but uh, when he does make the passes, like you said, they definitely can be eye-popping sometimes. Uh, and then just making good reads. Uh, and then the other thing is rim shot making. He's uh, 89th percentile, which is pretty strong. Uh, and again, his size doesn't get to the rim a lot self-created, but things like cuts, finishing, dump offs, uh, that's somewhere uh, that he's a pretty strong player. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot to like with the Wizards. There's there's a fair amount of I feel like there's a good floor built into this team, right? Barring injury. I feel like they have a lot of like quality NBA players, which, you know, isn't always the case with other teams. So. Uh, you know, time will tell what this team does in the next regular season, but uh, they definitely have some pieces, a little bit of upside. And like you said, if things are rolling the right way at the uh, at the trade deadline, you know, who knows? Maybe they make another move. Well, uh, thank you for coming on, talking about the state of the Wizards. Uh, Chase, do you have a, a Twitter account? Anything else you'd like to plug? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. And guys, you can actually now find me on Instagram at chase dc sports so um definitely uh give me a follow there if you can because I'm, I'm trying to build it i uh, just kind of started going and uh, it's been fun so far all right fantastic well chase thank you uh thanks to krishna for producing that is the state of the wizards my name is taylor and we'll see you on the next episode of the basketball index podcast <laughs>